Welcome back. We are reacting to the 75 hard protocol and the Cleveland Clinic's interpretation of the 75 hard protocol. Yeah, so at the time we're recording this, the new year is just around the corner and at the time that this comes out on the channel, um, many people are probably going to be completing the 75 hard challenge, which I had heard of, but I actually had never looked up what it was or what all it involved. I knew people were eating healthier and exercising, which mm -hmm. in any capacity, I am very happy with. Yeah, uh, I've known several individuals who have done this. Um, I don't think I know anybody who's done it exactly as prescribed, but uh, they have all improved their health. Um, and it seems like a good thing to strive for, but uh, we're all about giving people balanced tools for health. And this isn't exactly a balanced tool. Yep, so five critical rules. Um, and Cleveland Clinic says, uh, this may not be sustainable. I would agree with that. And I guess uh, to play devil's advocate, the individual who came up with this did not intend for it to be sustainable. He intended it to be uh, something that gave you mental fortitude and you know perseverance, persistence, um, which is excellent. I think he also has the first form supplement company, which is uh, to completely unrelated, some of my favorite proteins, along with Gorilla Mind and BPN for my Ninja Creamies, um, which I did not see as part of a 75 heart protocol, but I guess you could just have a diet of pure Ninja Creamy protein ice cream. It'd be a 75 soft protocol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, soft serve if you, if you put Ninja Creamy on that setting. But along the lines of that topic, Number one, uh, rule number one is follow a nutrition plan of your choice, no alcohol or cheat meals. And presumably this is referring to a healthy nutrition plan. Yep. Mine's just the pizza diet. Pizza, three meals a day. So we're going to do the buffet diet. Yeah. Intermittent fasting, one buffet a day. Um, I, I bet I could still gain weight on that. Yeah. I would say let's propose an alternative plan to where it is supposed to be sustainable. So it's kind of a different, it's a different training stimulus, if you will. This is like the high intensity zone four interval training that you're not supposed to be able to do for long, but just to um, prove to yourself that you can do it for some period of time. Something that's more sustainable, like this, the zone two protocol, 75 medium or 75 moderate. For this, you do not want to choose a uh, a diet that is overly restrictive. Yeah, I, I would actually give people a lot of freedom here. I'm, I'm going to set the bar low. I have two dietary rules. Get at least 100 grams of protein a day. Get at least 30 grams of fiber a day. Yep. That's probably better than what 80% of people do. Yeah, um, that's a pretty solid diet. Um, my third rule, which is technically optional, but I highly recommend it is do not choose something that's particularly restrictive. So no whole 30, um, don't unnecessarily restrict, you know, a processed food meal here and there, choose a diet that is as healthy as possible that you can also adhere to for the rest of your lifespan. So the 75 medium, that's supposed to be 75 years, not 75 days, but do it for 75 days, record it just like you would for 75 hard. And if you feel like the last 30 days were easier than the first 30 days of the 75, then it's probably something you could sustain for 75 years. And if not, then you go back to the drawing board. Yeah, I think that's a good framework for people to 
sort of experiment because anyone can do any diet for a week, a couple of weeks, yeah. in some cases, a couple of months. I'm not against the whole 30. I, I, I did it for <laughs> one month. It's just not something that you should do indefinitely. Uh, a whole 30 years. Uh, no, thank you. That would, <laughs> that'd be brutal. And I think there's no cheese in that diet. I think that oh, was my least favorite really? part of the whole 30. Yeah. It says, gives up dairy, grains, and legumes, focuses on fruits, vegetables, eggs, lean proteins, yeah. some fats, and nuts. Yeah, I could probably do that if cheese was included, but dairy is eliminated, so that's that's rough. Yeah. And legumes, um, too. Yeah, it is it is an overly restrictive and diet. And grains, too. Yeah. <laughs> the more I look at it's, this, the more I think I, I want those things. Yeah, certainly agree. DASH diet's another one that Cleveland Clinic put down there. Uh, I would not recommend the DASH diet unless your doctor recommends it for you. But for the right person, the DASH diet has excellent evidence. Yeah, I, back in my hospital days, many people called the DASH diet the low flavor diet. Yeah. Patients, not uh, not necessarily the physicians telling patients to eat this. Yep. Patients would call it the low flavor diet. But you can actually sort of reset your taste to sodium. So most of us are so used to eating things that are, you know, just soaked in sodium that when you eat something that has just a dash of salt or mm -hmm. no added sodium, it tastes very bland. And yeah. it's typically uh, more satiating. It fulfills the appetite more because you don't want to keep eating it because it doesn't taste as good. Kind of yes. like the, uh, the paper that our, our colleague, Dr. Martin posted where people were on a vegetarian diet, I believe it mm -hmm. was, maybe even been vegan compared to an omnivore diet. And those people um, lost more weight, but they were less satisfied with the diet. Yes. So uh, tasty food is fun to eat. Uh, Mike Isretel always says this. Um, if you're wanting to be in a caloric surplus, incorporate uh, extremely tasty foods. And then if you're wanting to be in a caloric deficit, perhaps do not do that because you will not want to eat as much of it. Don't starve yourself. But uh, that's one reason why the DASH diet works. That's one reason why the vertical diet um, is particularly good for putting on some weight. It has lots of salt. Then uh, number two, two 45-minute workouts. One must be outside. And this is two 45-minute workouts per day. Yeah, kind of reminds me of the pillars of health. Diet, exercise, sleep, sunlight. So sunlight's just being outdoors. Uh, being outdoors is great. Um, every single day doing two workouts, including being outside, does not sound sustainable for me. Um, for some people, professional athlete might be sustainable. Not for 75 years, though. Yeah, probably not for 75 years. I mean, some form of physical activity every single day, um, whether that is a planned workout where you're going to go and lift some weights or go and do some cardio or go for a run, mm -hmm. or if it's just pacing around the office. Yep. Move, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> Movement pastime to last a lifetime. So fortunately, one of mine is pacing around the office as I respond to my messages from uh, wonderful patients and whatnot. Often I'm pacing as I do that. Um, but uh, it, know, it is that, a great way to stay active and get in steps when otherwise you would just sort of be tethered to a desk and, and not getting that activity. Uh, yep. One thing that people could do, an, an extreme example of this, I've had um, I don't suggest this to patients, but I had one patient who sold his couch and got an exercise bike in place of the couch. So mm -hmm. when he was watching his usual TV, he was on his exercise bike. And I think that would be interesting as a population you know, style experiment to see 
if we substituted couches for exercise bikes and people were exercising while they're watching mm -hmm. TV, it's like multiple hours per day that yeah. most people are the watching average TV. Person, that would be a massive intervention and it would count as a movement pastime to last a lifetime. I'm usually standing at my desk while I work, whether it's here, out there, at our new studio, we'll start standing again. Uh, back in the barn days, we stood up. Yeah, standing podcasts. podcasts. Yep. So we'll definitely bring that back. I know Mark Bell and crew does standing podcasts. So uh, not exactly movement pastime, but uh, that's just examples of getting activity habits. in in your day to day. Yeah, yep. that are sustainable. Yep. Does not have to be ten thousand steps or twenty thousand steps or even eight thousand steps. Although eight thousand is kind of that point where I think it was eight thousand four hundred twenty six. Yep. Was where. The ideal number of steps. Every every so often, a study comes out claiming the exact number of steps that is ideal. Yeah, that's when I uh, start using my Wally -E scooter <laughs> after eight thousand four hundred twenty-six. Uh, next is drinking a gallon of water. Uh, if you're exercising uh, every single day, or moving quite a bit, this is actually pretty reasonable. Yeah, it's it's not a bad choice. Most people should be drinking more water and, and less of other things, um, like. Yeah. Sugar sweetened beverages. Yep. Yeah, we've talked about the uh, sugar tax, the soda tax. So people kind of know our position on sugar sweetened beverages already, but that's a great substitute. When I drink my coffee, I like to make strong coffee, except it's a little hot. So I put about half coffee in my cup and then I put water in the rest of the half and I do count that towards my daily water total. Yeah. And I think you can, depending on how like sensitive or insensitive you are to coffee and caffeine, I think you do retain some of the hydration from coffee. Mm -hmm. Not to say you should drink a gallon of coffee per day, um, but it is not as dehydrating as it was once thought to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, a good way to look at it. Next is reading 10 pages of a nonfiction personal development focused book. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why it would necessarily have to be nonfiction. Um, personal development makes sense. Some sort of uh, you know, again, body, mind, soul, mental health, spiritual health, even something that can uh, help you with your physical health makes sense. This doesn't necessarily have to be daily. Um, you know, you can stockpile this to some degree if you have a particularly busy day, as we do, and then a day that is not as busy. Uh, let's say, you know, uh, 50 pages a week. Pages is a pretty arbitrary I think you threw out the idea of a picture book, a picture book with yeah. one little picture per page for <laughs> or a pop-up book that might, if someone is struggling with uh, attention, that could be something that helps them get engaged with the book. Mm -hmm. Or for my choice, I would pick probably the carnivore code. Oh wait, it says nonfiction. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good one. Um, yeah. Lots to pick from, from here, but uh, yeah, I guess for our, um, for our 75 medium, you do 75 days and try to get in an average of something like 50 pages a week, or let's say, um, you know, two to three hours per week of yeah. some sort of personal development. You could probably count podcasts or audiobooks towards this total. Yeah, I think it, a time would be much more reasonable than a number of pages. Yep. You could have. You could read 10 pages in a minute, depending on like, if it's a picture book, whereas if it's something that takes a lot of thought and process, like say mm -hmm. you're reading the Bible, right? Yeah. Then it's, reading 10 pages, that is going to take substantially longer. Yeah. And just like your diet, the last 30 days should be more fun and easier than the first 30 days. Because kind of the point of this 
is evidence-based habit formation. Mm. Um, you're uh, getting a reward from developing that habit. I think James Clear talks about that a lot. And when you get that reward, you redeem that reward and you keep repeating that cycle um, and you enjoy it. Just so like a casino. The, yes. <laughs> <laughs> casino where the odds are in your favor. Yeah. Uh, taking a progress picture is next. This is kind of interesting. Um, probably going to be a lot better if you go low carb or keto. Drop some of that glycogen and water weight. Yeah, you'll see the scale move a lot more. But this says to, this is kind of an interesting statement. It says, healthcare providers advise avoiding weighing yourself every day because numbers tend to fluctuate, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It can cause people to fixate on body image. I think that weighing yourself every day is not inherently bad. Mm -hmm. um, some people like to have that sort of metric because it can help to prevent you know, five pound weight gain, you know, averaging in over a week is kind of what I tend to recommend people yep. from turning into 10 pounds, 15 pounds, 20 pounds that you don't realize you've gained because you're not measuring anything. So I think we're both in the camp that there should be some sort of measurement, whether it's a, a waist measurement, a weight measurement, yep. a DEXA scan, yep. some sort of form of tracking to get some feedback at like, is what I'm doing working or not working? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And we've talked about this with um, a lot of our colleagues, and we've talked about it with our two sports dietitians. But I used to be in that camp that, uh, you know, uh, just hard nosed the the health at any size movement is kind of ridiculous, and that weighing is fine. But the more I've matured, I suppose, or the more practice experience that I've had, is this really should be individualized. And like you said, some sort of metric whether it's weighing for a lot of people, for bodybuilders and wrestlers, they probably know exactly how much they weigh within two pounds at all times. You go up to the Olympia and you ask them, and even if they don't tell you the right answer, they know, like, you know, within two pounds, they're just going to, that's their profession. And that's like intuitive eaters. They're intuitive weighers. They understand the fluctuation. They don't get concerned if they have, uh, you know, a high salt meal and the weight balloons up by a couple yeah, pounds. You didn't gain four pounds of fat overnight. Yes. Fluid retention. So they're yeah. intuitive weighers where on the other end of the spectrum, um, a lot of individuals, they tend to be female. Um, there's many individuals close to me who I'd put in this category, but uh, a large percentage of the population is not helped by weighing every day. Could they be taught to learn how to do that and react to it well enough? Probably so, but in a lot of cases, it's just not worth it. Um, something like uh, pictures or even having a health coach or strength coach check in with them. Or maybe your picture is the DEXA scan. That too. Um, but yeah, personally, for most individuals who just aren't sure and they don't feel great weighing themselves or they feel like, um, you know, they that weight is just a number, just go for a DEXA scan. That'll spit out the body fat percentage, the visceral adipose tissue, your fat-free mass, your bone mass. That is extremely objective. And uh, at, at some point, around 32 to 33% for females and probably 20% for males, um, you certainly want to be under those numbers. Yeah, looking at your health, it doesn't necessarily have to do with you know body image. It's strictly just looking at health. And like you said, I think it is, you really can't get a more objective number than a DEXA scan feasibly. Yep. I mean, there's MRI and, and some of these calculations out here, yep. but for the average person, you know, probably a hundred bucks tops is what you're looking at for a DEXA scan. Yep. And I, I wouldn't get another one after 75 days. I would 
put at least six months between them. Probably a year is even better. Yeah. Um, And for some individuals, let's say they have uh, self-esteem or body dysmorphia issues and they have history of disordered eating. Um, That doesn't mean that they can't use other things, but this is just, you know, your kind of prototypical individual. Um, Perhaps they get a DEXA scan and don't even look at the result. They just send that off to their healthcare provider. They're probably not going to understand it unless they're listening to our podcast and then they will. So (laughs) if you're like that and you're listening to the podcast, then just consider sending it off to your uh, physician and or dietitian and uh, they can help you with that. Yeah, I think those are great takeaways. So does 75 hard work and is it healthy? So they said it remains to be seen whether or not a program like this is safe and accessible for everyone. Um, I mean, the lifestyle interventions that it recommends are safe and accessible for everyone. I guess it depends on what they choose. If they choose a diet of pure rabbit protein, then that's probably not a safe diet. Yeah. Yeah. Or if they choose a vegan diet, not aware of some of the deficiencies that can go along with these, um, you absolutely have to add in some form of B12 to a vegan diet. Um, then B12, you're probably not going to deplete all the B12 in your body in 75 days, but eventually you will become B12 deficient. Yeah. Um, If someone's very sensitive to a lot of foods and they go 75 days eating the same four foods, then it will be harder to add back in other foods they've been avoiding. So there's certainly potential harms, but you could make the case that there's potential harms for any lifestyle intervention that's not done right. And then there was a, apparently there's already been a 75 soft intervention. So 75 soft has four rules. It looks like. Yeah. Um, not as much of a fan of the 75 soft. It says eat well in general. And it's just a bit ambiguous. They probably meant, um, or maybe they didn't eat healthy. They probably meant eat healthy. Because um, I, I consider myself well-fed after a larger-than-healthy meal. As healthy as a diet as possible that you can adhere to for a lifetime. That's the way to think about it. The diet that you can adhere to that is healthiest. Um, next is exercise 45 minutes each day. Um, you know, that's reasonable. Maybe you're just doing some mobility one day. Maybe you're doing... Um, just walking. That doesn't and mean you have to go lift weights or run every day. They say with one day of active recovery, there's no frequency here. So is this one day of active recovery the entire 75 days? Yes. One day of active recovery per week? More likely. <laughs> uh, next is three liter, three liters of water instead of a gallon. Um, I assume that's still a minimum. Um, I know at least with how much I sweat, I need, need to drink more than three a liters. Lot more than three liters. Yeah. Yep. And then 10 pages of any book each day. So, yeah, for that, I, the little books that you flip through and they have a moving person. As oh, you do. yeah. Or like the horse that runs. Yeah. yeah. That's the book that I would choose for that. I'd read the same book every day for 75 days. Yeah. You know it well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, hopefully the 75 medium is a happy medium between these two that can uh, both give you some of the mental benefits of the 75 hard, then at the same time, um, help you develop those habits to last a lifetime. Yeah, and to be clear, we don't think that 75 hard is a bad thing. I think it's good for people to challenge themselves and it can certainly be a catalyst into a more 
healthy lifestyle because odds are if you are the general population who is relatively unhealthy by the end of that 75 days you will be healthier yes and you'll probably feel better yeah no i think the premise of it's fantastic um it gives you more persistence it teaches you uh whether you're trying or not after you finish the 75 hard you're probably going to have way better lifestyle habits and i guess the cherry on top is the person that came up with it is the owner of a supplement company and he did not push any supplements and it's a free program for everybody to do for lifestyle interventions that work better anyway. So props to him for coming up with it. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And let us know in the comments if you are currently participating in 75 Heart, if you know anyone who has, how it worked for you, how it didn't work for you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for watching. May God bless you with health and happiness.